You're listening to the BYUI Mighty Oak series, a podcast that inspires students to reach their potential. We're sitting down with alumni to talk about their college experience, opportunities they took, and how they are succeeding in their careers today. Steve Davis is from Rexburg, Idaho. He graduated with an associate's degree in psychology from Ricks College. He then transferred to Utah State University, where he graduated with a bachelor's degree in history. Steve found himself back at BYU-Idaho after graduating as an Aggie and worked in the admissions office. He later became the director of alumni relations and now currently works as the director of the Career Center. Your host is Loretta Kumir. Why did you come to BYU-Idaho and what were you most looking forward to? As an employee, Mm -hmm. yeah. I came to BYU-Idaho in 1986 as an employee for the admissions office, and I worked there for 13 years. But as a young person, I grew up on five different college campuses. My dad was a college administrator. Okay, wow. And I always had a goal to work in college administration. Mm -hmm. And my first choice was always then Ricks College, Mm -hmm. because I went to school here, and and I just loved loved the college, and, yeah. and so I was very fortunate to, uh-huh. to get a really good role in a really fun office at my favorite school. Yes, and what were you looking forward to, um, knowing you were coming to BYU-Idaho? Being on campus and being with students, mm-hmm. and just the, just the environment, the spirit, the, the atmosphere of being on a college campus is mm-hmm. what I was looking forward to. And back then it was Briggs College, Briggs right? Briggs College, yeah. Uh-huh. That's amazing. And while you were here at BYU-Idaho, taking your classes, et cetera, who were some people or some individuals that you drew inspiration from? Sure. Well, when I came as a student, Bruce Hafen was the president, mm-hmm. and he was a great teacher and a great leader. He later moved on to BYU and then as a general authority. And I really connected with a couple of my teachers. Ryrie Godfrey was a great mm-hmm. biology teacher. Dan Hess was my religion teacher. He's a former vice president of the of the college. Mm-hmm. He was great as far as giving me advice and direction. Mm-hmm. And I really connected with uh, Ed Malstrom, who was one of my psychology professors, mm-hmm. which was my major at the time. And maybe the most influential person was Brent Hill, who was my on-campus bishop. Okay. And he he gave me great direction and was a, was a dear still is a dear friend. Okay. And what was it? Um, kind of the, how did you, because of all those wonderful influences you had, how did that help you navigate your college life? Well, I was like a lot of students. I knew kind of what I wanted to be, mm-hmm. which was in college administration, but you can't major in it. And so I had these great mentors that mm-hmm. that helped me kind of navigate a path. And Brent Hill was one of them and a couple of my professors. Um, and then I also I also got involved in a little bit in student leadership. I was part of the mm-hmm. student activities committee and yeah. and made some really good friends. It actually led to how I met my wife. And uh, but you know just having really good mentors mm-hmm. that shared with me some good advice, insight that helped me kind of find my way. Mm-hmm. And would you encourage that for like um, students to kind of find people either? professors or just the ecclesiastical leaders that can kind of help them navigate, like develop those relationships? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the nice things we have as, as members of the church is we already have a, a good group of mentors, mm-hmm. starting with your parents and ecclesiastical mm-hmm. leaders and natural mentors that come along 
like you're a professor or an ecclesiastical leader and, and those kinds of things. Uh, but one of the challenges is finding mentors that can help you professionally. Mm -hmm. uh, no knock on parents, but parents sometimes have blinders on, mm -hmm. and they may not give you the best personal advice. They'll give you good advice, but <laughs> yeah. the advice might be jaded on uh -huh. what they hope you become. Yes. And for me, uh, the value there's value in, in not discounting those mentors, but mm -hmm. finding mentors that are doing things that potentially mm -hmm. would do. Uh, an example would be would uh, for me would be Rod Clark, who was one of my uh, friends at Utah State University after mm -hmm. I transferred from Riggs College. He worked in the admissions office. He and Lynn Polson, mm -hmm. and they had no family tie to me. They had no yeah. ecclesiastical tie. They had no academic tie. But they were doing the work I, I hoped to do, mm -hmm. and, and I became kind of their protege. And, and uh, so I think there's really great value in mm -hmm. finding mentors and things that you're considering doing. Yeah, I agree with that. And looking back, uh, or even looking forward, um, what are some lessons that you learned then that can help the current BYU-Idaho students? Yeah, the first one is don't, don't be alarmed or discouraged if you're undecided. The second one would mm -hmm. be going back to the things that you enjoy to do and that you value doing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think our students fall in the trap of, of picking a, a major because mm -hmm. of a peer or a perception that maybe it's more prestigious or maybe makes mm -hmm. more money. Uh, I think there's value in going back to the things that you love doing mm -hmm. and also taking a little inventory of the skills that you have. Okay finding out what's a good fit. Mm -hmm. So my advice to prospective or current students here at BYU-Idaho mm -hmm. is don't be discouraged if you're undecided, but kind yeah. of do some searching and then really use the, uh, the services we have on campus. We have the academic advising office. Yes. We have the career center. We have mm -hmm. tutoring. We have your faculty mentors. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also have alumni. Uh, we have alumni, all, over 200,000 of them that are working wow. across the world. And, you know, if, it's unlikely that you won't find somebody that's doing what you hope to do. Yes, that's very true. Um, and while you were at BYU-Idaho, which was still Riggs College then, um, I think I've only been here for like two years now, two mm -hmm. years next month. And I kept hearing from most of my teachers when I came here, Spirit of Riggs, Spirit of Riggs. And I never understood what that was until I kind of did research mm. to understand the spirit of Riggs and what that means or what it meant to the teachers I had. But for you, what does the spirit of Riggs mean or what has it done for you? Well, first of all, what it means is kind of evolved over time, mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily, it's not been wrong ever. Mm -hmm. For me, the spirit of Riggs as a student and early on as an employee this is before it became BYU-Idaho, mm -hmm. was more a sense of friendliness and, and shared service. Okay. So I define the spirit of Ricks as a student as the fact that people said hello to you as they passed you in the hall, they'd open yes. your door, they would pick something up if you dropped it. Mm -hmm. uh, it was that friendliness and an opportunity to serve together. Mm -hmm. when, when Elder Bednar came as the president, he added a new layer to that, and he mentioned that the mm -hmm. Spirit of Ricks is found, the foundation of the Spirit of Ricks is the Holy Ghost. Okay. So if you were to say a improved version of the Spirit uh -huh. of Ricks, I think is continued on, it would yeah. be that friendliness, that mm -hmm. shared service grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. 
with the Holy Spirit being part of it. Nice. I like that. I didn't know that, so that's new uh, for me. And after college, where did you find yourself? What was your first job? Well, my first job after college was here at Ricks College mm -hmm. in the admissions office. And if you want to talk about the value of a experiential learning opportunity, mm -hmm. uh, we do that in the Career Center with internships and other opportunities. I was told by a good counselor that you can't major in college administration, mm -hmm. but you can uh, major in something that you enjoy, but uh -huh. when you go to college, find jobs in those administrative areas. Yes like admissions or student records mm -hmm. or financial aid. So I went down to Utah State, I got a job in their admissions office. Mm -hmm. And that experience did two things. It gave me a little bit of experience in that office. It helped mm -hmm. me know that I'd like doing that. Mm -hmm. And it also put me in connection with the people up here at Ricks that were in that work. Okay. So as I was graduating, I learned of an opportunity up here and I applied for it. Yeah. And that's how I was able to start here at Ricks College. Nice. So for me, the, the life lesson there is the value of networking and also mm -hmm. getting some hands-on experience. You know, um, a lot of people think that they would know what it would like to be a certain profession, mm -hmm. but I knew it because I was working in it. I knew yes. that what the kind of work would be. Yeah, that's amazing um, that you pushed yourself and did that as a student. I think sometimes as students, we feel like any job is good enough. We mm. really don't care about a lot of things, but um, I remember there was a information session that happened here on campus a couple of months ago, and these guys came to BYU-Idaho, graduated, went on to do their accounting um, jobs at Goldman Sachs. One is in Salt Lake, one is in New York, and they were saying, you need to make sure that the job you get here on campus is not just like any job. You must tailor it either to your major or something in administration because then those things will help you after you graduate. Um, and at that time I was just thinking, oh, a job is a job. It really doesn't matter, but it was valuable information. While you were here at BYU-Idaho, you wrote a book um, called Breaking the Chains of Worry and Anxiety, Lessons from Liberty Jail with Mindfulness Therapies. How did the idea come to write the book, and what is it about? Sure. Um, so this is this will be a little personal. So, mm -hmm. um, not related to my career at all, uh, but related to something that's become a passion of mine, because I deal with uh, anxiety like a lot of people do mm -hmm. on a very personal level, um, and it comes from a, a bit of a personality trait that I have, maybe a lot because of a personality trait of being a a little bit of a worrier, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes a big worrier. Yeah. And my story happened because uh, I was born and raised in southern Utah mm -hmm. uh, as, as a young person. I was actually born in Arizona, but I was we moved shortly after my birth to Cedar City, Utah. Mm -hmm. And while living in Utah as an infant, and my brother, who's a year younger than me, uh, that was the time that they were doing nuclear tests in Nevada. And so myself and everybody in my family and all my neighbors and cousins are what we call downwinders. Oh. Uh, we were in the path of the radioactive fallout that oh went goodness. from Nevada over to Utah. Mm -hmm. So most of my life I knew that I was a downwinder, but mm -hmm. I would think about it once every few years. Yeah. 
and then about 13 years ago, uh, my younger brother, who's a year younger than me, also a downwinder, contracted brain cancer. And, uh, and within 14 months, he'd passed away from that. He also got a big check from the federal government because he's a downwinder and, mm-hmm. you know, $50,000 to just say, sorry, we, we didn't know. Yeah. And, and know. that led me into a season of, of a lot of worry, mm-hmm. a lot of questioning, could this happen to me, what mm-hmm. if thinking, and an extended period of really dealing with some pretty severe anxiety. Well, I, I went and I would recommend all of these as potential resources for people who mm-hmm. deal with that. Uh, I, I went to a medical doctor. I went and visited a counselor. Mm-hmm. I read a lot of books. Um, I tried doing things that are really healthy, like meditation yeah. and exercise. Mm-hmm. And, and um, But in all of my research, I never found anything that was faith-based. I did discover a therapy that's uh, as fairly new, mm-hmm. it's very effective, it's called acceptance commitment therapy. Okay. And I practiced it, and mm-hmm. I practiced it, and it helped me largely overcome worry and anxiety. Yeah. And I was able to, to, to stop having panic attacks, and I was able to not have anxiety-induced insomnia, and some of the really mm-hmm. hard things I was dealing with. But the problem was, Nothing in the acceptance commitment therapy books that I read had anything to do with faith. In fact, quite the opposite. They said we all deal with anxiety because we're descendants from, you know, a product of evolution and cavemen who lived in fear every day of their lives. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, And so I was in a lecture here on campus at the Mm -hmm. alumni office, which I used to work in, was sponsoring by brother uh, Nate Williams, and it was about Joseph Smith and Liberty Jail. And in that lecture, uh, I, I was just struck by the fact that Heavenly Father in sections 122, 121, 122, and 123 was teaching the prophet a version of acceptance commitment therapy. Hmm. So I collaborated with Brother Williams and a counselor here on campus and another religion teacher. And, and I, wrote a, I wrote this small book about how we can blend a modern therapy with the lessons Heavenly Father taught Joseph Smith on how to manage anxiety. Wow. And uh, so that was my little effort to do that. And, yeah, that's amazing. And, uh, you know, we've shared it with a few people. I've, I've spoke on it at Education Week. and hmm. uh, But I have, a, I have a testimony that Heavenly Father understands everything, mm-hmm. even how to help people overcome challenges like mental illness. And uh, even though he didn't specifically say to the prophet, here's a recipe to beat worry, <laughs> yes. he really did. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, my supervisor just recently gave me your book, actually, so I'm oh. going to start reading it Excellent. soon. I'm excited. Um, and what can you say for students who struggle with anxiety or um, just stress that deal with a lot of stress because yeah. college comes with that, obviously. Absolutely. But how can you or what can you say that can help them reduce the risks of anxiety and stress? Sure. Well, what I've learned from my experience and, and uh, shared is anxiety is nothing to be ashamed of. It's a very common problem, and it comes with kind of the territory of life. Mm-hmm. And there are things at college that can make it worse. Yeah. Um, you, at BYU-Idaho, you have a 13-week semester mm-hmm. to get a lot of work done. 
you might be away from home for the first time. You might be uh, dealing with some interpersonal relationship challenges. Mm -hmm. You might be worried about something, your future, yeah. passing this class, those kinds of things. Yeah. Well, what happens with, when we deal with anxiety, it's not pleasant at all. And the natural tendency is to avoid what's mm -hmm. causing you anxiety. Yeah. And sometimes that avoidance, for me personally, I would take all sorts of steps to avoid a panic attack or a sleepless night. Mm -hmm. And the avoidance then leads to some attachments. Uh, we cling to anything that might work. Mm -hmm. it, it might be a, you know, a natural remedy or a, medic mm -hmm. a medicine or something. Well, what we learn in acceptance chemotherapy and what Heavenly mm -hmm. Father taught Joseph Smith, he said, Joseph, you're going to have, he said, if you pass through the very gates of hell, if mm -hmm. your, your children are taken from you, if you're accused falsely, these are, those are hard things. Yeah. And Heavenly Father said to him, know that I'm here mm -hmm. and cheerfully do all things that you can. I'll act to cheerfully do all things that lie in your power. Mm -hmm. Well, if you have anxiety and you're having a hard time, the best way to do it is don't avoid what's causing you pain. Yeah. Accept that this might be a hard season, a hard day, a hard mm -hmm. week, or a hard night. Yeah. But then find something that you love, that you value, and act on that value. Okay. And what, I, what I'm seeing with our students, and I, and I, fall, I have fallen into this trap, mm -hmm. we have, a, I don't even want to give a number, a whole lot of things that can mask or distract us from what's causing us pain. Oh, yes. We can get on our phone and play mm -hmm. a game for hours or on a game station. We can watch, binge watch a whole season in a night <laughs> on Netflix. <That's> true. <laughs> we can get lost on the internet, mm -hmm. on Facebook. Well, that's, that's not necessarily avoiding the anxiety, but mm -hmm. it's not accepting it. Yeah. And then when it's all done, you're, you've, you're done with your game or your mm -hmm. hours of watching a movie, then you go back to like, I'm still worried. Mm. Or maybe I'm still depressed, or mm -hmm. both. Well, a better alternative would to say, let's put the media away. And if I look at myself, the things mm -hmm. I value the most are my family and my faith mm -hmm. and my job mm -hmm. and my friends. Mm -hmm. I can say, well, I could sit here and I know I'm anxious right now. Yeah. I could distract myself or mask it in, with some remedy. Or I can say, okay, I'm anxious, but I'm going to give my wife a call or I'm going to send a note mm -hmm. to a friend. I'm going to go do a little family history work. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go out and serve somebody. Mm -hmm. That's the healing power. But the adversary, I believe, is, is saying, ah, here's all these things that will temporarily make you feel better. Mm. Only temporary. Yeah, it's not. That's more than you wanted to hear probably. but No, I, I love it. And it's it's very true. Like when you were talking about how Joseph Smith was instructed to cheerfully do everything while, you know, he's going through this. That's the part I struggle because I struggle to pretend to be happy when I'm yeah. not. Um, so it's good to know that even when I'm stressed or full of anxiety, it's okay to sit in those feelings, but yeah. focus on something that can help you to yes. get out of it instead of allowing distraction to kind of run away with you. So I love that. There's a, a, a saying that I, I have that I share in my presentation on this topic, that Pema Chodron, who's a, as an author, was given a little dog pendant necklace mm -hmm. that said, sit, stay, heal. Mm -hmm. 
And you said it perfectly. You can sit with that. Don't make it go away. Mm -hmm. Be with that uncomfortable feeling. You can stay with it, but I think what's even more healthy is go do something really productive that you love doing. Mm -hmm. And what happens, and you said something, you can pretend to be happy, Mm -hmm. but guess what? If you... Uh, my book that I love that is my favorite acceptance commitment therapy book is called The Happiness Trap Mm. if we try to avoid the pain and try to make ourselves happy Mm -hmm. you can't make yourself happy but if you get out and do something that you love Mm -hmm. happiness will follow Yes. You'll become happy, but you're not trying to be happy. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes, perfect. I yeah. love that. That's amazing. Um, you mentioned earlier that you were in the alumni office for uh-huh. a very long time, but now you're the career center director. Uh-huh. Um, what's your typical day like now as a career center director? Yeah, so right now... Uh, it's a it's a it's a, a merged office, the mm-hmm. alumni office, and what was called the internships and career services offices combined. So we still do the great work of alumni, mm-hmm. but we're now involved also in helping students find three things: mm-hmm. mentors, internships, and jobs. And that's that's ne- not necessarily a one two three uh, schedule mm-hmm. step, uh, but. If students find mentors, they're more likely to get good internships, and internships often lead to jobs. Mm-hmm. So my day is helping to build a network of alumni and others who can open doors for our students. Mm-hmm. It's then getting our students professionally prepared yeah. to go out and meet those alumni and take what they're learning here at BYU-Idaho and transfer, translate yeah. that into a successful career. I like that. Um, what's the most rewarding thing about your job? Well, the most rewarding thing is, for me personally, is when we hear success stories of students Mm -hmm. getting a job that they love. Um, And then followed up by the fact that we then have these friends that are are reaching back and saying, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm now, I'll use uh, Preston Davison as an example. Mm -hmm. Preston was one of our lead students. He did a really great internship between his sophomore and junior year with Mm -hmm. PWC. Okay. which led to him having a job offer a year before he graduated from BYU-Idaho. Wow. He then did a second internship to help him be more prepared for that job. Mm-hmm. Now he's working at PwC in Dallas. He often returns to campus. He talks mm-hmm. to students about getting those jobs. He mentors students. And if he hasn't done it yet, at, over time, he's going to open the door for hiring students. Mm-hmm. So it's just this great cycle of students coming going mm-hmm. and coming back to give back. That's amazing. Um, how can students or alumni who are interested in assisting students, how can they be a part of this? What do they have to do? Yeah, so it's super simple. Uh, they need to go to one place mm-hmm. uh, online, and that's byuiconnect.com. Mm-hmm. And that is our online community. Students can sign up, build a profile, and find alumni who can mentor them. Alumni can sign up, mm-hmm. build a profile, and be found by students as mentors. They can also reach out to students. Yeah. So the best way to do is, is for both students and alumni, be mm-hmm. a part of that online community, BYUI Connect. I love that. That's a good, that's one thing I love about the school, that it provides that. And all we have to do is get engaged and, and do it. 
what is the most challenging thing about your job, if there's any? Well, the, the most challenging thing is being able to get this important message out mm -hmm. to about 30,000 people at one time. Wow. About 20,000 wow. on-campus students, about 10,000 online students. Mm -hmm. Because they can't access or use a service they don't know about. Mm. Um, and here at BYU-Idaho, it's always been the case from the time I was a student to now. Mm -hmm. We have students that are just, they're going to, by personality and drive, are going to be mm -hmm. more proactive. Uh, they're going to be out doing this stuff. They're going to mm -hmm. say, okay, I I want to be an attorney, yeah. and how am I going to get there? We have a lot of students that are just, they're really undecided, and they don't have the confidence mm -hmm. that they can do that. And we need to give them the confidence to say, yes. yeah, hey, I'm, I'm a perfect example. I was mm -hmm. not a good high school student. But my mission and then my first uh, year semesters after my mission here at Ricks mm -hmm. College, I got... I gained some confidence that I yeah. could do this. So I was getting the word out and, and mm -hmm. saying to this really proactive student, hey, you're going to do it. We know you are. We're going to make mm -hmm. it easier. We want to we went then find all the other students and say, you can do this, yeah. and then show them how. That's amazing. Um, you've been at BYU-Idaho for a lot of years, and you've kind of seen it grow from where it was to now. What where do you see BYU-Idaho in the next 10 years? Well, what I see is it continuing to fill the role that it has within church education. Mm -hmm. We have now with BYU Pathway, we have five great programs. Mm -hmm. LDS Business College in Salt Lake is a really great school for a mm -hmm. student who wants to come in and get two years and, and do one of two things, but primarily go out and get a job in the business world. Yeah. You have BYU-Hawaii, which serves a growing international mm -hmm. uh, population and yeah. the, you know, the, the Pacific. You have BYU, which is going to always be a, you know, kind of a flagship school for mm -hmm. the church. And then you have BYU-Idaho, which mm -hmm. is really for the almost maybe the biggest group of students. Uh, those who are good, everyday students, mm -hmm. some are, are, are top flight, others are finding their way, mm -hmm. but it's a place for people to bloom and discover themselves. Mm. I think BYU Idaho for the next 10 years is gonna continue to fill that role. I believe that. With all the experiences you've had with academic and career um, and just tr general traveling, what are some values that you have lived, that you continue to live by? Well, I think it's, it's uh, all rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. It's uh, serving God first, others second, Mm -hmm. uh, being true to the faith, being true to our covenants. Uh, it's what makes BYU-Idaho stand apart, mm -hmm. is uh, we're not going to bend uh, to pressure from the outside mm -hmm. or, uh, or follow the ways of the, a lot of the way the world's going. Um, it's just being true to those things. Mm -hmm. What is the best advice you have ever received? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, I think... I could I could list several things. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm going to hearken back to my mission president, who may have guessed that I was not a good high school student, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, he knew. I told him that, that when I was leaving my mission in the Philippines, mm -hmm. that I was going to to be to Rick's College then. Um, 
the best advice he gave me, and this goes back to prioritizing things. Mm -hmm. uh, he told me if you want to get straight A's, you need to be a student first and a, mm -hmm. and a uh, what's the right term? Um, someone who wants to go out and have fun, mm -hmm. second. Mm -hmm. He said, start your work day at eight, start your school day at eight, mm -hmm. be busy till five, you'll never cram for a test, mm -hmm. and uh, you'll get straight A's. And I came home and I did it, and it worked. Wow. And now that I'm older, I understand what he was teaching me is the value of delaying gratification mm -hmm. and understanding the difference between something that is vital and mm -hmm. urgent. If we take care of the important things in a timely manner, we plan, we prioritize, we have goals, mm -hmm. then we're not going to have these urgent things that come up. Yeah, that's so true. We haven't figured it out as students, but that is so true. A lot have, and they, <laughs> a lot of our students. But the challenge with students today is mm -hmm. they have so many more distractions Mm -hmm. than when I was a student. Yeah. We need to stop getting distracted. Yeah. Towards the end of the podcast, um, I always like to ask this question because I feel like it helps us get to know you a little better. Sure. And kind of some of the things that you think about outside of um, the hustle and bustle of work and family life. What are you curious about right now? It could be anything that you find yourself just thinking about and kind of wondering, how can this be solved? How can we do this? What is it for you that you're kind of curious about, either in the world or anywhere? Yeah, well, I'm curious about what we assume is the winding up days before the second coming, mm -hmm. uh, when the Savior will return. And I believe BYU-Idaho has a part in that. I, I think it's why President Nelson is talking about being together and gathering Israel, staying on the covenant mm -hmm. path, making, uh, and it's what's happening in the church with uh, the, re the different schedule and, and the home-centered gospel study, mm -hmm. that's all preparing for the Lord's second coming. Mm. Uh, and I believe, and again, this will harken back a little bit to the book I wrote and my passion for helping people mm -hmm. learn to manage anxiety in a natural, yeah. more healthy, spiritual-based way. Mm -hmm. um, I just see a, a world that is more in chaos, mm -hmm. more nervous, more depressed, yet the keys to happiness and peace have never changed, and that's mm -hmm. not being selfish and serving other people and, and being out in, in this world that God's created for us, mm -hmm. rather than isolating ourselves in front of a screen, mm -hmm. whether it's a, the size of my hand or the size yeah. of a 60-inch thing in front of my face. Mm -hmm. None of those things are in, in moderation and within priorities are necessarily yeah. bad. I, there's nothing wrong with watching a really good movie. Mm -hmm. um, but what, what I'm seeing is we're seeing it here on campus and in society, a more discouraged, worried, depressed people. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about finding ways and passionate about finding ways to help students and others learn to cope with that better. Mm -hmm. Uh, we know the adversary is not going to win in the end, no. uh, but he's going to—he's going to cause some damage along mm -hmm. the way, and I'd like to figure out. And you know, for me, it's just trying to be an example of positivity. Mm. So, hundred percent. Is there anything that people don't know about you that when they find out, they'll be surprised? Well, uh, not very many people will, will have worked at one place for as long as I have. I've been here mm -hmm. 32 years. 
amazing. I'm probably not. I've probably been so locked into one place. I'm not that employable other places. Uh, but uh, I, when I retire, I'll have, I'll have worked at, at BYU-Idaho, Ricks College, BYU-Idaho mm-hmm. for about 40 years. Wow. Uh, there's not very many people that can say they do that. But it's, I've found a home here, and, mm-hmm. and uh, this is my, this, I love the school, and it's, it's got a great future. It is. It is a wonderful school. Um, and with what you've just shared what are some lasting words you'd like to leave with everyone that they can kind of go home with? Well, since this is an alumni podcast, mm-hmm. uh, I would just invite our alumni to stay in touch with the school. Mm-hmm. And we're in Rexburg. We don't have a, a national, nationally recognized sports team to follow. Mm-hmm. We're not going to make it to CNN or Fox News or mm-hmm. headline news or anything. Um, and you know our alumni if you're a graduate will get a magazine once a year and an email once a month Mm -hmm. i would just invite you to stay in touch with the school Mm -hmm. follow us on on our web page be a friend with us on facebook and linkedin and twitter and all the different ways you can Mm -hmm. and remember that this is a really wonderful place to encourage and invite your friends and your family members your siblings Mm -hmm. your children to come to school because there is not a better place to Mm-hmm. to become a disciple leader that I know of. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, a lot of the alumni I've interviewed um, on this podcast, all of them, I don't think anyone didn't actually, but all of them expressed how whatever job they're in now, some have been there four years, some more than that, they've all expressed one thing that I've seen that's kind of been consistent that BYU-Idaho was the place that they learned how to learn. They learned how to be better people. You know, they might have not remembered all the tests and assignments they had, but they've become better people because they came here. And that's something they, some of them said the employers can see that you're different. You're Mm -hmm. not like everyone else, even though you're all at the same place. And I think that's the beauty that you can't find at any other university that BYU Idaho has and can call its own. Um, but thank you so much for You're welcome. everything you've shared with us um, today. I really appreciate it. And I know the students and alumni will definitely enjoy your podcast. Most of them kept saying, say hi to Brother Davis. Yeah, thank you. They all love you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the BYUI Mighty Oaks series. Stay tuned for more episodes featuring our alumni.